Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. Doctors, educators, insurance agents, and other licensed professionals all have something in common. Continuing education. In order to retain their licenses and apply their trade, they have to show that they still have what it takes and that they're on top of the changes in the industry. In today's message, Back to the Basics, Pastor Ryan Neal reminds us of the importance of keeping the main thing the main thing. Um, we're going to go ahead and go into the word of the Lord today, and we're going to be picking up what Brother Olu left off last week uh, in the book of Acts chapter number two. And Brother Olu read verse 37, but we're going to go back and reread verse 37 and go down through the rest of the chapter. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about chapter number three, because I probably won't give that any treatment. Uh, next week, we'll be moving on to something else. Um, and there are some things in chapter three uh, that we can quickly address, but we don't need to read it. So we're just going to read uh, Acts 2 and 37 through uh, 47. Uh, I believe it is. Let me see the end of the chapter. Yes, 47. Um, <clears throat> so the scripture says, now when they heard this, um, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and to the apostles, the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Uh, so when they heard this, this is what oh, Brother Olu preached about last week uh, with regards to reality check. And uh, Peter got up and, and with boldness preached the first sermon and told them essentially uh, that they had killed the Lord Jesus. And so um, he said, you know, this Jesus whom you have crucified was both Lord and King. And so they heard this and the Bible says that they were cut to their heart or they were pricked in their heart. Uh, they had some uh, they, they had some conviction, but they didn't know what to do with the conviction. And so it says, he says to them, what shall we do? Now that word do in the Greek actually means what shall we manufacture or what should we construct? Uh, it appears as if uh, they were still looking at it as from the Old Testament system as, well, what do we need to do? Do we need to go and get the fatted calf and slaughter it? Or do we need to go and get a lamb? Or do we need to go and get a ram? What, what do we need to do to atone for these mistakes that we have made? They still had this idea and this mindset that there was something that they could offer to God that was going to make everything all better. And if we're not careful, we get caught in that same mindset uh, when God is really just calling for us to love him, for us to obey him, uh, for us to uh, have a relationship with him in prayer specifically. And we'll talk a little bit more about prayer uh, later. But what we find ourselves continually doing is trying to be good, try to do the right thing. What shall we do? What can I do? What can I make? What can I manufacture? Uh, what kind of deeds can I do? Because it doesn't seem like it would just be enough to just pray and 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 read the word of God. And if we're not careful, we make that a do. Okay, well, I read and I prayed. Okay, I checked these boxes. But God was not looking for them just like he's not looking for us to check a box. He's not looking for us to, um, um, to manufacture anything. He says uh, that the the gift of God 
it did not come. Like we're not, we're saved by grace because if we weren't saved by grace, then men could boast. And I could say, well, you know, I'm better than the rest of them because, you know, I pray a lot longer than normal people pray. And I'm doing better than this one or that one because see, you know, my devotion time, I do it early in the morning and, and I get up early and make a sacrifice and they do theirs late at night. But, but God said, or Paul told us, he lets us see that the gift of God, this salvation, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing you can do to obtain salvation. So look at what Peter told them. Look at what Peter told them when they said, what should we do? What should we make? What should we offer? What should we manufacture? And look what he told them. His response was to repent. And repenting is something that doesn't have anything to do with the sacrifice. It doesn't have anything to do with getting an animal and putting it on the altar. It doesn't have anything to do uh, uh, with taking something that could bring you something financially. It doesn't have anything to do with giving a bigger offering. It doesn't have anything to do uh, um, with, with something natural. But what the word repent means is to change your mind or your purpose. It means to deny your will in favor of God's will. So it wasn't about what they did. It was about something that was going to happen or that needed to happen internally. But until they were pricked in their hearts, until they had that, um, um, that uh, not condemnation, but that conviction from God, they were not able to repent or change their mind because the scripture tells us that repentance comes from God. So the first step after they were pricked in their heart, the first step after uh, they had this this uh, this heaviness uh, on their heart, that they had this conviction for what they had done, the first thing that they had to do during that time where God gave them that emotion of of of, of wanting to confess is that they had to change their mind. They had to change their purpose. They had to deny their will and pick up God's will. Then he told them and be baptized uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word baptize or baptismo in the Greek means to be submerged. It means to sink into something, to be completely covered by something. And many of us think when we hear baptism, we say, well, you got to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We look at baptism as just being put in water and, and being uh, uh, going down in the name of Jesus. And that is important. And that is good because it is an outward symbol of our inner death. But to really be baptized in the name of Jesus means to be submerged in the name of Jesus. It means to allow yourself to 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 uh, um allow yourself to give up your will, to give up your way, to give up what you wanted, and allow yourself to be completely submerged in the name of Jesus, to allow yourself to sink into who he is. And we thought that just being baptized, that's why many of us weren't changed, is because we just went down in water, but we didn't really get submerged into the name. And so he says that first you've got to repent, make up your mind to change your mind, make up your mind to change your purpose. He says, then be baptized. Okay, be submerged, be, be immersed into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let it be your everything. Let it be your all and all. He says, and then once you have done that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We don't see people getting the Holy Ghost the way that they used to after being baptized because we have reduced baptism down to just an act of going underwater, but when you really get submerged into the name of the Lord Jesus, you can't help but receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I love this part too. 
because that gift of the Holy Ghost, that word gift, it means gift without repayment. It means a gift that has no strings attached. It's a gift that unlike the gift of man, where, where uh, man will give you a gift, but then expect something in return or to give you a gift, but then expect that uh, you're going to do certain things. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's not a real gift, but this is a gift that is freely given. This is a gift that is given, uh, that, 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 that God gives and he's not expecting anything back from you. But here is the thing. When you get that gift of the Holy Ghost, when you uh, sink and submerge into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you living a holy life does not come out of the fact that you have to do it. It comes out of the fact that your mind has been changed because you repented. And now your will is not alive anymore, but you want to live out the will of God. So it's important here that we see, and it's important here that we understand that when they wanted to make and manufacture and construct something, God told them that it's nothing that you really are going to do outwardly, because even the baptism, even though it's an outward sign, the real baptism happens in here. And, and, and that gift of the Holy Ghost or that baptism of the Spirit, it's a gift. And the repenting that you do, it's something that happens in your mind. So there's nothing that you need to do that there's nothing you need to pay. There, there, there's no um, a physical sacrifice that you need to make in order to gain salvation. But once you are saved, once you are baptized into the body of Jesus Christ, once you are baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then, then there is something that grows out of that. And it doesn't come out of you feeling obligated. It comes out of the love that you have for him because your mind has been change. And so this is what was happening on the day of Pentecost. This is what was happening to the people uh, who were pricked in their heart, who knew that they needed to confess, to, that knew uh, by the preaching of the word, just like what's going on right now, the preaching of the word of God pricked them in their heart and brought them to a place where they knew that they needed God. And he told them how to get there. Verse 40 says, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized that day. About 3000 souls were added to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wondrous uh, wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and, and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. And that's what Brother Olu was talking about last week with regards to Anira, Anira and Sapphira. It wasn't something that they were required to do. Uh, but it was something that they did and then did improperly. And that is why uh, they were both uh, killed, essentially, why they both died. But uh, we'll come back to that in a moment. We'll just make our rest of our way through the scripture, and then I'll go back and hit the points. Verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Okay, so let's go back here and, and hit a couple of the points. So first of all, we want to talk about the fact that um, he, he, he told them that this promise is to you and your children and to them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord shall call. Now, 2,000 years ago, we were the afar off. 
He's talking about us because he says that those that are far off. So when people begin to try to tell you that, well, the Holy Ghost doesn't fall anymore and the Holy Ghost was for back in that day. And, you know, but the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's not the it's not the same thing anymore. He said that this promise was not just for you. This promise was for your children and as many as are far off, as many as the Lord shall call. And I come to tell you on this afternoon that he's still calling us and he's still calling people. Uh, and, and if you don't have the gift of the Holy Ghost, is something that is available to you. And he said that you shall receive it. That means that it's going to happen. It's not predicated on anything else other than you being submerged into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you submerge yourself into that name, he said, it's going to come out of you. It's got to come out of you. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So he's telling them here, uh, he's telling them that he wants them to get away from religion and turn to Christ. Get away from religion and turn to Christ. And so Paul tells them, we go back to verse 40, he said, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. He's telling them the, the and, and what's funny about it is that the, the, the many of these people were in the Jewish, they were in the Jewish community. All of these people were in the Jewish community. And so a lot of what they were doing was actually a religion that came from God. But the thing about it is that they had perverted it in their generation because they were adding things to it and they were taking things away from it and they were finding whatever way they could, just like people do, many people do today, especially a lot of the richer people do. They find loopholes in laws and they find a way um, to, to make the law work for them and they pervert the law. And that's what these people were doing. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the chief priests that knew the law, that were the ones that were supposed to be following the law. They were finding ways to pervert it, to make it work for them so that the spirit of the law that God gave to Moses was not being carried out, but through the letter of the law and, and picking and choosing what they wanted to follow, they were holy in their own eyes. And he said, be saved from this perverse generation. And it says, and then to them that gladly received his word, they were baptized that day. About 3,000 were added to them. And they continued steadfastly. Let's stop here in verse number 42, because there's four points here that are necessary for us in the church, okay? Now, everything that we do in Acts after this has to do uh, with after the church has started. These first two chapters of, of Acts are the church being established, okay? And here is really kind of the crux of it as the 3,000 souls are added to the hundred and some odd people who were in the upper room. And this is really the birth of the church. But this is what I want you to see. We get a key right here in verse 30, uh, in verse 42, about what we even today as relationships should be doing the way that they did at the first church when they waited in Jerusalem until they were endued with power. And there's four things here. And the first one is that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We have got to continue, saints. We have got to continue in the doctrine or in the teaching that Jesus gave to his apostles. If you're not doing that as a church, then 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 you 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 will never you will never ever act 
actually be able to really be a church if you're not holding on to the teachings that Jesus gave to his apostles. I know people have all different kind of ideas for the way that uh, things should be done, but if we really want to know what the church ought to look like, we've got to look to the book of Acts, because even though Jesus gave us a lot of good things and he gave us a lot of good teachings that, of course, we are taking hook, line, and sinker, at the end of the day, there are some things that he showed to the disciples because the Bible says that he opened up the scriptures to them so that they could understand the scriptures. And they're talking about the Old Testament. They understood how Jesus fulfilled it. They understood exactly what they were supposed to do. So when we look to see uh, when we look to see what we ought to be doing as a church, we have to look and see what God uh, um uh, anointed and appointed the apostles to do to know whether or not we're doing the right thing. So we got to look to the teaching that the apostles had. And the Bible says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And so that's the first thing we got to do. And then the next thing was they said that they fellowship together. They continue steadfastly in the doctrine and fellowship. So they fellowship together. And many times we forget to do that as a church. We forget that we need each other. We get into a place where many times we just want to say, well, it's just me. Uh, but the, but it's biblical. It's very biblical that we need to continue to fellowship with each other. We can't become our own island or our own person. You have got to have somebody in your life. And I'm not just talking about Jesus. I'm talking about somebody that you trust in God. Because see, God, you know, people will say things like, long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. But we're, find that for me in scripture, because the Bible tells me and lets me see that we are supposed to be helpers one unto another. Now, I'm not saying that if you're ever in a position that that you feel like everybody's turned their back on you, that you can't say, well, I'm just going to lean and depend on God. And I'm sure that the song had the best of uh, 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 best thought process. I'm not saying throw the song away or whatever the case may be, but you've got to use some common sense to know that you've got to have somebody that you have a relationship with that is in the church that is in you. You've got to have some friends. You've got to have some confidence. You've got to have a, um, You've got to have a, a, a mentor, you know, even me as your pastor, you know, I have people that mentor me, uh, even even people like Brother Olu, the conversations that we have, you know, we help each other out. It's not about, well, I'm the pastor or, you know, this person is older, so they do this or this. But no, we've all got to have somebody that we have a good fellowship with, that we can trust, that we can talk to, that we can uh, 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 con confess our faults to, as the scripture says, one unto another. You you got to have somebody that you are um, uh, together with, that you are fellowshipping with. Um, I, a, a friend of mine, the way the way that they would put it is they say, somebody in your life needs to have the sit down and shut up car. OK, now I'm not saying that they should put it to you that way, but there needs to be somebody in your life that can tell you that you're wrong. There needs to be somebody in your life that can tell you when you're off. Uh, and, and of course, none of us have a problem with having somebody in our life that's cheering us on, but that's necessary as well. I don't focus on that because everybody uh, is, is, is of the mind that they want to have somebody cheering them on. But you've got to have somebody in your life that can tell you you're wrong. Sit down, shut up. 
Now, hopefully they put it nicer than that, unless you got that kind of relationship. But somebody needs to be able to tell you that what you're doing is not right. Somebody needs to be able to tell you that you have gotten off. But many of us, we isolate ourselves and we put ourselves in a place uh, where can't nobody tell us nothing. We can't be rebuked. We can't uh, be told anything. And that is not biblical. We've got to make sure that we are fellowshipping. We got to make sure that we are continuing in the apostles doctrine. And then the next thing he says is the breaking of bread. And this is not just talking about communion because the Bible says that Jesus, when he broke the bread, he gave it to them and he told them, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And so that breaking of bread is a part of keeping Jesus central in the church, keeping the remembrance of him, what he did on the cross, the blood that he shed. It's got to be the central, the foremost thing in our mind as a church has to be the fact that Jesus died for us. And last but not least, certainly not least, we have got to be a church that prays. The greatest asset of any church is prayer. And uh, any church that doesn't pray is not a church at all. You can call it a social club. You can call it a, 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 a Christian uh, a social event or whatever you want to call it. But if there is not regular prayer going on in the church and, and among the people of the church, then it is not a, it is not a church at all. Okay, so what do we have there? We've got the holding on to the teachings of the apostles, what Jesus gave to the disciples who became the apostles, holding on to what we find out from Paul in the epistles, holding on steadfastly to the word of God, not shaking, not, not wavering back and forth. And especially in this day and age, because in this day and age, uh, we're being told that the Bible is archaic and it was only for a time, but now we need a new Bible. We need a new word, but see, that's part of having somebody you can fellowship with because you can have somebody to tell you when you're getting off, when you're not holding up the apostles' doctrine, when you're not holding up the teachings of the word of God, when you've gotten to the point where because it's convenient for you, just like we talked about with the Jews in the Old Testament, uh, they begin to pick and choose what they wanted to follow, but the word of God is a whole. If you're offending part of the word of God, then you can't say that you are um you 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 cannot say that you're serving God with all of your heart with all your soul with all of your strength if you're purposely leaving something out now the grace of God is so amazing because the grace of God tells us that where sin did abound grace abounded much more we were laughing the other day because there was a a, a church that we passed and the, the name of the church was Grace Abounds Church uh, and we laughed and said, Lord, it must be some sinning going on in there uh, because the name of the church was Grace Abounds. That's just a joke. But, uh, you know, people would name a church anything. Um, and so some people probably say that about us with Relationship Church. Uh, but it was called Grace Abounds Church. But I thank the Lord that unlike with what we see in the Old Testament, when when we sin in the New Testament, now I'm not talking about willful sin. I'm not talking about saying, well, I'm not going to listen to this part of the Word of God, but bless God, I like this part, so I'm going to pick and choose. But when we're really trying to live for God with all we know, we know we're still going to make mistakes. But His grace comes and covers every mistake that you make. And that is the cross. That is the doctrine that Jesus gave to the apostles. And so we thank the Lord for his grace. Somebody ought to just thank the Lord for a moment for his grace, because it is because of the grace and his mercy that we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. 
and then they broke bread and they continued in prayer. The Bible tells us also, and I say this to you as I close, uh, because we're coming to an end, but the, the next part that I want you all to see here as we close is that it says, so they continued daily with one accord, verse 46, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, and they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Wait, before we get there, let's go back up to verse, um, uh, let's see, verse 42. They continue still passing in the apostles' doctrine in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And the Bible says in verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, many people call the first miracle of the church in chapter three, where they were walking into the temple. And uh, as they walked into the temple, they were begging two of the disciples uh, or two of the apostles at this point uh, one of the uh, beggars was begging for money. He was a lame man. And they told him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. Look up on us. And the man was healed. The man was healed. And, and many people call that the first miracle. But we see right here that there were many wonders and signs that were done right there on the first day, on the day of Pentecost. Um, but the thing about it and the point that I want to make here that I love is that they were no longer dependent upon Jesus in his physical man because they had Jesus in his spiritual nature on the inside of them. And that's what Jesus was talking about in the book of John when he told them it's needful for you that I go away because if I go not away, then the comforter will not come unto you. Because see, even Jesus being who he was was somewhat limited in the flesh because there was only so much he could do. But once he put his spirit inside of every believer, then he could physically be any and everywhere. And his spirit that is on the inside of us being the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is something that we have got to take responsibility for and realize that if we are not doing the signs and the wonders and, and even just allowing the spirit of God that's on the inside of you, if you've got the spirit of God and we're living a raggedy life, then we have got to question ourselves as to whether we have really stirred up the gift. Are we really doing what we ought to be doing? Now, you got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, and this is to all of us. This is to all of us. This is a rebuke from the pulpit to the door. But if we've got the Spirit of God on the inside of us and we are not living all that we know, if we're living a raggedy life, if we're picking and choosing what uh, what, what parts of the Scripture we want to live by on what particular day and how we want to serve God, and when we don't feel like doing it, we just don't do it, then we have got an, we've got to be accountable not only to the spirit that's on the inside of us that is making intercession for us that is there to help us that is there to that is literally the very spirit of God but we've got to have somebody else that we can be accountable to in real life that uh, a physical person uh, that that has the ability to tell us when we're getting off but see some of us will end up in hell just because we didn't have a teachable attitude and didn't nobody never want to tell you nothing didn't nobody even want to rebuke you didn't nobody want to come to you and tell you that you were wrong because you can't be taught and because you can't be taught that you missed the word when somebody was trying to rebuke you. Verse 44 says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now, see, this is something that we don't see today at all. We can't even get people to give 10% of their income in tithe. And, 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 and while we understand that tithing is not something that was mandated in the New Testament, neither was this. But everybody that was there sold everything they had 
had and said, let's just divide this up so that nobody will have need. Can you imagine if I told you, you know what, I want you all to just start taking your paychecks and making them payable to the church. And we're just going to put it all in one account. And then we're going to take all of the members of the church, everybody who's baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, everybody who's been filled up with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and we're going to write out a check. So you put in your uh, your check and your check was a thousand and you put in your check and your check was 500 and you put in your check and your check was 2000 and then I'm going to write everybody out a check for the same amount. And somebody who put in little is going to get more and somebody who put in more is going to get less, but we go bless God. We're going to have all things in common and ain't nobody going to have no need. No, we don't do that. We don't even give more when the Lord blesses us. We don't even give more when we get a raise. What we do is we just go buy a bigger house and we just go get a nicer car because we're not concerned that the person across town that's supposed to be our brother and supposed to be our sister is living in a shack with a hole in the floor. We're not concerned about that. We're concerned about us getting the new house because I work hard. But we don't realize that it is the Lord that gave us the ability to get wealth in the first place. And if he just snapped his fingers, everything you have can come crashing down, but you're so concerned with my, 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 and me, me, me. But the Bible says that when they really got the Holy Ghost, the Bible tells us that when they really got baptized and submerged in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that even the possessions they had did not have them anymore. The things that they had worked for, they didn't care about it anymore. They were more concerned about the common good, that they weren't concerned about what they could buy and what they could possess. They were worried about giving to those who were in need because these people had really gotten the spirit of God down on the inside of them. I don't know what this is that we got today, but it's not the spirit of God like the people had the spirit of God on the day of Pentecost. And we've got to really get up and make up in our mind that we're going to go back into prayer. We're going to go back into fasting. We're going to go back into being submerged into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because without that, we're going to be in lack. Without that we're going to be in lack, not just in your physical things that you have, but the scripture tells us in the book of Revelation that you say that you have everything you need and you say that you have uh, everything that your heart could ever ask for, but you don't know that you're blind and you're broke and you're deaf and you're naked because spiritually speaking, you're looking a mess. But he said he is looking for a people who will continue in prayer. He is looking for a people who will be more concerned about the things of the spirit than they are the things of this natural world. Be more concerned about uh, uh, giving until the kingdom so that, 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 that souls can be won and so that people who need things can have it. Why? Why would we ever think that it was okay for us to be in a position where we got everything we need, but somebody that we claim to be our brother and our sister that we love is suffering lack. Would you let that happen in your real family? Would you let your sister that you love with all your heart suffer lack and you had everything that you needed? Would you let your brother that you love with all of your heart suffer lack and not have everything they needed? And that's why here at Relationship Church, and I say this and I want you all to understand this, here at Relationship Church, we are very big. We are very big on helping. And I don't think there's ever been a time where anybody, and, and many of you have not had to ask, the Lord has blessed you and that's wonderful, but there's never been a time that anybody in this church 
has asked for something. And those of you that have been in a position of need know that this is true, that you have ever asked for something and we have not been able to help you. Whether it was us personally, Jessica and I from our own finances, whether it was from the church as a whole, there's never been a single time where we said, well, we just ain't got it and we can't help you, okay? Uh, now, early on in the church, there may have been some times where we really didn't have it, but honestly, I don't think anybody asked back then. But we are at a position and we are in a place where we love to bless our people. And there have been times where we even were going to bless our people and they're just like, it's like they couldn't even receive it because they're not used to a church giving to them. They're used to just putting money into a church and then the church never blessing them back. But we are in a position as a church that when you all need something, and I say this because I know you all are wise enough not to just add the church in as a line item on your budget and get a bigger house that you can afford and then just ask us for some money every month to help make ends meet. That's not what it's about, because if we're doing that, then we can't afford to really even reach the souls that we need to reach. But everybody here should know that if you ever get into a position where you fall on hard times, just like you would ask your mama or your daddy or your cousin or your best friend to help you financially, you can ask Relationship Church. You can ask me as the pastor. You can ask Brother Olu as the assistant pastor. We are here to help you. We love you. We 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 believe in the idea of having all things in common. It may not be in such a perfect way as it was back in the book of Acts, but I would be remiss as your pastor if you needed something and we were not able to help you with that, even financially. And so I want you all to know that, and I want you all to understand that, okay? So the Bible says that they sold all their things and they had everything in common. Verse 46, this is where we'll end. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from one house, I'm sorry, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, this time when it's talking about breaking bread, it's talking about actually eating food. So they were fellowshipping together and they were eating food together. Um, and 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 of course, that's something that we still do today on a regular basis, you know, before before uh, COVID and, and thank the Lord, we're starting to see an end in sight that we can have this fellowship together again. We're starting to see an end in sight so that we can do those things again. That's one of the things that even Jessica and I were talking about um, as things start to in, in, uh, get better and as, as more people are vaccinated or enough people get vaccinated that the people that are not going to get vaccinated, it doesn't matter as much anymore, uh, but the thing can be eradicated. The house that we're moving into has a bigger place for us to fellowship together, a bigger place uh, for us to be able to welcome people into our home and not be so cramped, uh, especially as the church begins to grow. So I'm excited for that, to be able to get back together again on a regular, on a regular basis. But look, this is what I want to point out to you in verse 46. All of these things that we talked about today, and you can read back through it from verse 40, from verse 37 all the way down through verse 46, where we are here now, it says that they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. These are the things that we talked about today. These are the things that are going to bring you gladness these are the things that are going to bring you simplicity of heart. These are the things that are going to take you away from anxiety. These are the things that are going to take you away from depression. What is that? Things like 
being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm not talking about the water. If you've already been baptized, you don't have to go be baptized again, but you do need to baptize yourself or submerge yourself in the name of the Lord Jesus. You do need to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You do need to st continue steadfastly in remembering that Christ is the center of everything. You do need to continue in prayer. You do need to continue in fellowship. And when you do those things, you will have gladness. You will have peace. You will have joy and you will have what the scripture calls simplicity of heart. And they went about praising and having favor with all people. Isn't that something? So yes, yes, in this world, we will have tribulation. And yes, the scripture tells us that, that God, that Jesus said that they hated me, they're going to hate you too. But there's also a place in God where many times God will give you favor even with the world praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Gladness and simplicity of heart. If you want joy, if you want peace, you've got to remember to do those things. You've got to keep Christ as the center. You've got to continue steadfastly in the word of God. You've got to fellowship with like believers and have relationship with people within the church and the people of God. And you've got to pray. You've got to pray because through prayer, that's how we connect with the spirit of God. That's how we understand. That's how we understand the word of God. You know, one of the things that even when I go to read the scriptures, whenever I'm going to read the scriptures, one of the things that I always do is I ask the Lord, I say, Lord, open up my understanding. Don't let me come to this scripture thinking that I understand it just because of what somebody else said to me. Don't let me come to this scripture thinking I understand it just because of what my Sunday school teacher told me when I first heard it years and years and years ago. Because one, they 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 may not have had the interpretation uh, that God is trying to give me. They may not have uh, been able to open up my understanding to it. It's not necessarily that they were even wrong, but sometimes uh, sometimes you'll be reading a scripture and you'll understand it. And it's not that your interpretation is wrong, but it's almost like watching a black and white television. And then somebody uh, gives you a color television. It's like sometimes God will literally like take something and, and it wasn't that the way you understood it was wrong, but now you're just seeing it much more vividly. And he takes some scales off of your eyes and allows you to understand it. And that's how I want to see and view and hear the word of God, not from the old mindset that I have, that black and white television. I want to see it vividly. I want to see it in live and in living color. And how does it apply to me today in 2021? And so we have to make sure that we are praying, 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 you know, uh, at, at some points when I, uh, when we're in prayer as a church, I'll find myself, it's like the Lord will tell me, you know, I'll be praying and then the Lord will lead me to a scripture and I'll start reading the scripture while I'm in prayer. But then there are times where the Lord just leads me back in prayer because sometimes if you're not careful, you know, when it's supposed to be prayer time, you'll just read your Bible. And as crazy as that sounds, that may not necessarily be the time to just be reading your Bible. The Lord wants to communicate with you in prayer. He wants to communicate. Now, we need to know the word of God because that's how we know what to pray. But don't just sit there reading your Bible the whole time that we're supposed to be in prayer. As laudable as that might sound, God said, this is the time to talk to me. And this is the time for me to talk to you. And I may do that through my word. But at the same time, there are some times where we really just need to be communicating directly with God. Amen. Amen. 
And like I said, it's not that he won't take you to your word because that happens to me on, on, on many occasions. But, but I have to lead myself back into prayer after he showed me what he wants to show me in his word. But prayer is of vital importance. Prayer is of vital importance in our church today. And without it, we will die as a church. If we're not praying, we're not really a church. And so I just want to encourage you in those things. I want to encourage you to, to be make sure that we are staying steadfast, to make sure that we are keeping Christ as the center, to make sure that we are allowing our minds to be baptized with the name of Jesus, to make sure that we're not making ourselves an island. This is the real church. This is the real church. It hasn't changed. It, 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 you know, some of the methods have changed. You know, back in uh, back in 33 AD, of course, they never even fathomed being able to meet through this mechanism that we're meeting through right now. But at the end of the day, the church as it was created then, the methods may change, but the way that the church was created, it's still the same. It's still the same. And so I encourage you today, if you have not been following those things that were uh, uh, the, the inception of the church, I encourage you, I implore you that we all must get back to the basics. Brother Ola, you can make that the, the title because I didn't give you a title. So for, for Spotify, it can be just back to basics, back to basics. We've got to get back to the basics, back to what uh, the, the, the apostles showed us uh, right after Jesus breathed on them, right after Jesus uh, opened up their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. We've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to that in every way because the formula has not changed. The formula has not changed. We hope this has been a blessing. Join us live on Sundays via Zoom. Relationship Kids is at 1130 a.m. Prayer is at 12.30 p.m. And service starts at 12.45 p.m. All times given are in the central time zone. The login number is 314-720-8880. Feel free to call that number for prayer or text the word connect there to grow with us. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. 8880. Until next time, take care.